I am Brooklyn-based psychotherapist Nikita Banks, and I am your host of the Black Therapist Podcast. The Black Therapist Podcast is the podcast where we discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. If you would like to reach out to us for feedback or show suggestions, show topics, please feel free to contact us at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. You can sign up to our mailing list at blacktherapistpodcast.com. You can listen to new or past episodes on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. And if you want to sign up to our mailing list or our free mental health course, text GET HAPPY to 66866. Let's get started. Hi, welcome to another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. Okay, so I've been promising you this show and I skipped last week because mama had things to do. Um... I haven't really liked the audio that's been been happening on the show because I've been doing like interviews and so I used to record in my son's room prior to um, him going back to school. He destroyed the studio, kids, and um, took my stuff away and I couldn't find everything until today. So I had to like reorder things and I wasn't wasn't happy with the sound on the show with the guests that I had. But, 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 low battery. Um, I promised you guys that I was going to do a show where I read an excerpt, or my favorite excerpt from my book, Finding Happy Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy. Now, if you are watching me on our YouTube channel, I promise to post this show soon. Um, you will notice that I am dressed up and she looks pretty. I even got red bottoms on. Um, but you may also notice that I am reading from the book that is a proof. My book is available now on Amazon and Amazon's so shady. Like when you order a proof copy, which is dumb, they send you with this little thing not for resale over the course of it. It, it costs, I think, the same amount as if I ordered the copy of my own. So, I mean, damn. They could have sent me. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. Um, let's talk about the book, Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy. So, if you're listening to this show, I know that a lot of people know that I am a licensed psychotherapist, New York City-based. I run a private practice out of Brooklyn, New York, which is my hometown. And, um... You know, I, I like the fact that I'm able to service my community, the community that I grew up in. Shout out to me for just moving the camera because I think the camera was down like that because I wanted to show my shoes, but it's not really that important. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, what I noticed in my practice, I, I, I work primarily with black women in my private practice. And um, I noticed that a lot of women were coming to me with problems that related to relationship dissatisfaction, not knowing what their needs are, not knowing how to get their needs met, and just general symptoms that can be seen as depressive symptoms because of it. Um, and I titled the book Finding Happy because when I was depressed, I used to say to my friends, I when my real life comes, things are going to be different. And for me, my real life included me being happy. For, for me, 
being depressed and having depressive symptoms, it, it really was me struggling with the fact that I wasn't happy with my life and I wasn't happy with the way things were going. So that's why that's the name of the book. So I promise you that I would read you my favorite chapter. I would say it's like picking out a favorite kid, but this book will tell you. I'm my favorite, my father's favorite. <laughs> I'm my father's favorite child. <laughs> um, so yeah, people will say that. Well, it's like picking out my favorite kids. People have favorites, but um, this book is is different from other relationship books from the people that have read it. I have heard comments from my readers. One told me that, you know, she's read all of the relationship books. She's a friend. But my friends are not nice. <laughs> my friends are brutally honest with me. She's a friend. But what she said to me was that she's read a lot of relationship books. And she even recommended relationship books for me to read as I was writing this, which was, I didn't need that. But what she said was, is that the concepts that I explored in this book are things that she's still working on, number one. And she also said that she had to go to therapy for a number of years to learn some of the things that we discussed in the book, which was huge, a huge compliment for me because that was exactly what I was looking for. I was looking for something that people could use or looking to write something that people could use if they wanted to go to therapy, but just kind of wasn't ready to go to therapy and wanted to explore their issues and things. Um, so the book has chapters in it. Aww. Each chapter has personal stories. Um, I'll read the dedication page. I dedicate this book to little Nikita. One of the stories I heard the most about my childhood was of a little girl who used to say, I want it, I need it, I gotta have it. I was determined even as a small child. Over the years when I faced adversity, it was that little girl's drive that has kept me. We have often lost our way. Not gonna get emotional. And you have gotten me into quite a few jams. That little girl was Um, But it was when I remember to honor your gifts that I began to thrive. This book is dedicated to my family. They're the basis of everything I am and everything I aspire to be. This book is also dedicated to the woman or women who know there is strength and vulnerability. I hope this book helps you get started on your journey. And I dedicate this book to my cousin, Michelle Fox, who was my very best friend. And she is no longer with us. Okay, so I'm going to just read the chapter headings. Chapter one, typo. Chapter one is who taught, it always oh, is about self-love and self-care, self-reflection. Uh, chapter two is love is a verb. Chapter three, choose your the content of your relationships. Chapter four, love lessons. Chapter five, your roles and responsibilities in your relationships. Chapter six, ch choose your life and your, your, your life and your choice. Again, it's the proof copy. So there are some typos. Um, they've been corrected. You won't have no typos. Chapter seven, vetting is learning who to love and who to leave. Chapter eight, where you draw the line. And chapter nine is letting go of 
what cannot change. Okay, so title is seven steps. There are nine chapters. Really, the first two chapters are one step. The first chapter is self-care. The, the, wait. The first chapter is self-love. The second chapter is self-care. That's just kind of how it ended up being broken down. It's seven steps. Okay, so my favorite. Ugh, this is hard. Oh, okay. Chapter six, your life and your choice. So I've talked about this, this daddy of mine and my daddy issues on multiple segments of the show, but I'm going to do it again. Relationships, relationships of your choosing. One of the things people say to me the most in my practice when discussing strained relationships is I have no choice. But the truth is we have chosen the large majorities of our adult relationships. This is an empowerment. This is an empowering statement that can be scary if you have a lot of strained relationships. After a certain point in your life, you don't have to have a toxic friend or frenemy, unhealthy, intimate relationships, or a crappy boss. No matter the circumstances today, you can make a decision to leave a relationship with anyone that no longer serves you or modify an existing one. If you decide you need to go, it may be necessary to put a plan in place to do so without jeopardizing your financial and or physical safety. This is your life. You can choose who has a place in it and decide what you want to engage in. A lot of us are in relationships with people out of obligation. The meaning of the word obligation is an act of moral, legal, or duty-bound commitment. In our families, there is a tendency to expect us to lend our strengths, talents, and gifts to benefit the whole of the family. However, you have to be committed to pouring into yourself first. You have to be committed to work in service of you. Your physical and mental health depends on you showing up for you first. Remember, you have to put on your own mask first. We can't be responsible for other people's response to our best effort. Once you decide you're going to do something in service of others, you should only do so because A, you want to, or B, it's the right thing to do. Making this decision absolves you of the obligation. My rule of thumb when I'm doing a favor for others is not to do so if it is too much of an inconvenience or encroachment on my life. That means I ain't, don't ask me to lend you no monies if I ain't got it. If it's my last, that means don't ask me to put a phone in your name. Don't ask me to give you my car if you can't afford to buy me a new one and I ain't got no insurance. Don't, don't, don't. I'm ad-libbing, but listen, no. Nah. But I don't, a question of my life. This doesn't mean I don't go out of my way for people, but I don't want to do it in a way that causes me to resent doing so. I also give with the thought in mind that I will get it back, but not always from the person I give to. We often give just to get or to hold it over someone's head, but you can't change another person's experience or tell them how to see your contribution. It is not your job to explain to uh, to explain or control how they experience you. Your job is to show up and do your best. Quick story. Over the years, my relationships with my dad has been strained. I hope I don't cry. I love him dearly, but it took me to deploy my training as a mental health professional to be able to deal with him. I was able to do a psychological, biological profile on him. 
because I knew of our shared family history. Once I discovered his specific emotional challenges and mental diagnosis, that ain't in the book, but I'm telling y'all, I could think of him more as a sympathetic figure rather than the inconsistent father figure he had been throughout my most of my life. Once I became committed to my own healing, I no longer felt obligated to allow him access to me whenever he wanted it. I quickly realized that just because he wanted to engage with me, it wasn't always at a time and in a way that was beneficial to me. He tried to make strides in our relationship, but he couldn't undo the childhood hurt and pain I still harbored inside from his past decisions. I had to learn a new way to exist with him that didn't compromise my peace. Once I put some boundaries in place, the new time we spent together allowed me to replace some of the old negative memories I had of him with new positive ones. He could not heal the past hurt of that little girl he left when my parents split when I was two. But he was able to give me a new understanding of what thought distortions and dysfunctions stood in the way of him making better choices. I gained more insight into what informed his decisions and drove his behaviors. Then I gave him an opportunity to love me differently. Not in the way I wanted him to, but in the ways that he could. That time was a gift. However, I did not feel obligated to do so at my own peril. My father was challenged and a pain in the damn ass. That also ain't in the book, but I'm telling you. I learned to put, okay. He had particular personality, a particular personality that made the closest I desired with him impossible. Y'all know I'm being nice. I learned to put my emotions aside and see him as a human being who was doing his best with the information he was giving. I stopped asking him to show up for me in ways he couldn't. I realized it wasn't fair to judge him by a standard he couldn't meet. It was also unkind and unnecessary for me to continue to break my own heart when he could not show for me, show up for me in ways I wanted him to. I had to choose to let the fantasy go that he could act in any other ways. I had to stop agonizing and overthinking. He could be different, but simply chose not to be. I released him of his responsibility to be my dad in ways that he did not know how to. And I allowed him to be my dad in the ways he could. It helped our relationship. And what I now know was the last years of his life, I was able to enjoy him for what he was and forgive what he wasn't. He could not give me what he didn't have. In response, I only gave him my time and energy when it was in my best interest when it was in the best interest of my mental health to do so. I made a commitment to call him weekly. Sometimes that meant I had to employ the three P's, patience, pair, and preparedness. It's that emotional in parentheses. Depending on the day, he could be kind, nice, and insightful, or downright mean. I had to prepare myself for whichever version of him would show up on any given day. There were days that he didn't answer the phone and I was okay with that. He had a right to choose to engage with me when he was ready. Everyone has this right. I chose only to answer his calls when he was returning a phone call he missed from me because that was when I was mentally prepared to speak to him. I learned to let go of what didn't feed my healing. 
I let go of the anger and resentment I had of who I wanted him to be and I saw him for who he was, his talents, his skills, and his limitations. To do so was healing. I didn't feel the need to forgive him per se, but I did release him from the obligation of not being who I wanted him to be. In exchange for that, I got some of the things I never even knew or would admit I needed. It was healing. But it took several years and a lot of self-work to get to that point. And I went to therapy. Jesus. You will not be able to heal the broken people in your life. Life. That says life. <laughs> people who have been exposed to years of traumatic experiences, mental stressors, challenges, Poverty, neglect, pain, and danger become wired to function in that kind of chaos to their own detriment. They need to be seen and acknowledged for who they are. We have to acknowledge their limitations and view them with compassion. Once we recognize them for who they are, we must use that information to decide how we treat them. We have to keep in mind that we are all doing our best in any given moment with the information we have. We are all doing what we need to do to cope. And we don't all get it all at the same time. Shame and inadequacy are uncomfortable feelings. No one likes people to see their flaws. As you grow in your healing and change old habits, it will be necessary for you to make new friends. Not because you are better than, but because these changes help facilitate greater healing in ways you won't expect. Healing is uncomfortable. So I read this, it's not the whole chapter. I read this book umpteen million times, so many times that I got sick of looking at it, to be honest with you. But every single time I read that chapter, I really read it. I either read it out loud or I like processed it because I feel like when you're dealing with your most challenging relationships, that's what we need to hear. This relationship book is different. Like, and I'm not Steve Harvey in or like Tyrese Gibson in telling you how to get a man or whatever. I'm telling you how to save your fucking sanity when you have family members who are just screwed up. When you have learned and survived in a level of dysfunction that nobody should have to deal with. How are you going to learn to protect your peace after that? How are you going to learn to have healthy relationships after that. You use that information to navigate all the relationships that you have for the rest of your life. So how are you going to find love? How are you going to find a man? How are you going to even exist at work? Right? What therapists and, and, and uh, mental health professionals don't tell you is that your ability to create relationships and your, your ability to navigate social situations successfully lends to your diagnosis like we put whether you can maintain a job we put whether you can maintain a healthy relationship we put whether if you got friends or not or if you're socially isolated or whatever those things are directly put into your diagnosis so your inability to create with other human beings or your lack of knowledge or lack of healthy information to do so is judged by your level of health right 
if you if you have no healthy happy relationships around you if you're not any any happy healthy relationships you can't you don't have no friends you don't have relationships with any of your family members you don't speak to your mama your sister your brother your whatever you and you're harboring resentment and things that you haven't forgiven and things that you you have you cannot get past that makes me as a mental health professional question your level of health because as a, as as human beings we have one job to do one job to do and that's to be happy and to be well i said one job right that's to be happy and so too but it's to be happy and connect with other human beings that's really our one job. I really want our one job is to make connections with other people. That's our real, our, our true one job. There's no way in hell you're going to be able to navigate life on your own. You would not even be able to be your age. You wouldn't have the ability to even listen to this show if your mama didn't take care of you during the, the infancy, right? So in, in infancy, we learn that if we are not treated properly or we can't find a way to engage with our caregivers through crying and through our nonverbal communicative responses to get them to feed us and take care of us or whatever we fail my dog knows how to send me signals to feed him when he's hungry my dog knows how to send me signals to give him water when he needs it My dog knows how to give me signals to tell me he needs to go outside. And he's a dog. He doesn't have your your level of intellect, skill, and ability. Yet, for some of us, we can't get our basic needs met in our relationships. You got to ask yourself, why? Part of that is probably, yes, you didn't get the skills when you were growing up. But you can't use, my mama didn't teach me, my father didn't give me, for the rest of your life. You are responsible for your own happiness. You are responsible for your own healing. And it's on you. Oh my God, my son is calling me. Okay. So back to what I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted by my kid calling me from college for money. Um... Yeah, I'm excited about this book. I'm excited about the the program. Uh, The course launches... Damn. The day after this starts. And the course is amazing. You get to work directly with me um, for coaching sessions. You get a one-on-one. There are eight modules. It's really seven, but eight modules where... We talk about all the concepts in the book. We use excerpts from the book. Um, there's actual an actual course workbook that is different from the book. Um, there are video lessons. You can access it on your cell phone. You can listen on your way to work. You can print it out at work like I do. Um, or did or would. I, I do. I do. I still do it in the office we'll print it out at work and work on it in your lunch room or work work on it on your lunch break and you'll be able to kind of meet with us so the course is 350 dollars 
it is cheaper than if you got eight hours worth of my time any other way, to be honest with you. Uh, I want to say every video for the course is anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes. So there's that and there are nine of them, eight of them. I don't remember. Um, and I should be selling this, right? Go to my website if you want to really read, read the professional version of this story. But since it's y'all, I'm just going to keep it real with you. Um, there's seven modules. Well, eight is the introduction plus the seven. And then there are videos. There are workbooks. You get three group sessions with me. So every other week, there's a group session. Well, there are four, I'm sorry. Every other week for four weeks, there are group sessions. And then you get a one-on-one with me which is where the magic app happens. So you're already getting, without the videos, you're getting four hours of my time for group sessions and a one-on-one. And if you've been on my website, you know that an individual counseling session with me starts at $160 up to $240 and that's for a 45 to 60 minute session and you're getting all of that plus the worksheets plus the group work for $350 and if you listen to this show and you use coupon code because I love y'all coupon code get happy do I want to do get happy get happy you will be able to get the course for $50 off so for 300 you will get to work with me no matter where you are in the world for one-on-one group session, one-on-one sessions, one-on-one sessions plus four group sessions plus video lessons plus the workbook and the worksheets and the homework assignments and the quizzes. This course is probably not going to stay like this because I'm hoping that enough of you will want to register for it, that my schedule will be so jam-packed that I'm gonna have to raise my rates in my office in order to do it. But y'all gotta keep in mind, like I only have a certain slot available because I run a private practice. As y'all know, if y'all listen to this this show, I have an intern, in, I have interns and I work as an instructor for Columbia University. Shout out to me for my Ivy League work coming from the hood. Um, I work at Columbia University as an instructor, field instructor. People in the game know what it, what I mean, but I have an intern that I work with and I that takes my time. 
I also do consulting work for a company and I work on psych wards all around New York City. And I love y'all and this course is a dream of mine to do, to be able to access, to be able to create platforms and, and content for people to access mental health help even if they don't know what it's like to work with a mental health professional. I would love to be your first therapist or your first coach. However, there are only a specific slot number of slots available because y'all ain't gonna drive me crazy. And I've spent money investing in this course. I've spent time and effort building this course in my website and writing a whole damn book and publishing it and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours fighting with Amazon to get this thing right. And it probably ain't even, it probably ain't right. But to get it right, if there are typos in it, please know I wrote it. <laughs> There's probably going to be mistakes in it. So be kind. But um, I've invested a lot of time, effort, and money into being able to do this because I think that people of color need to have mental health interventions, life strategies, and solutions that take their culture into account. This program is made for black people by black people. What up, Latinas? Because y'all black too. What up, other people in the diaspora? West Indians, y'all black. Africans, black. Black, okay? So this is made for people who want to have a culturally responsive program to address some of their relationship needs and their issues. And I've invested a lot of time in it. And although I would love for it to be a major success, right now I got a limited number of slots because I really, truly got to invest my time wisely on what is paying the bills and my son's tuition and keeping these lights on right now if you're watching on YouTube, okay? So, I am excited. I am looking forward to launching the, the course, which launches on, oh my God, in two days. Jeez. Um, and yeah, if you, you want to join us, if you have some questions or concerns, do that. Also, if you want to sign up to our mailing list, you can text get happy to 66866 and be able to to sign up to the mailing list from there. Okay. Okay. So yes, this has been another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. You see, if you're watching me on video, I'm sorry I keep playing with my hair. Y'all y'all know it's used to be, I'm used to it being nappy, not used to it being straight. So I'm swinging and acting like a, a fool right now. But this has been another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. I want to welcome you. I want to say thank you for riding with us. This is our third season. I'm going to be bigger and blacker and better than ever. I cannot wait to grow the platform and continue to, to build content for people of color to be able to master their mind. Okay. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. Once again, you can follow us on all our social media sites at Black Therapist Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter, as well as Black in Therapy on Facebook. Or you can follow your hosts, me, Miss M-S-N-I-K-I Banks on Instagram and Twitter, as well as you can find out any information about me at Nikita, N-I-K-I-T-A, Banks.com and on the show's website, Black 
blacktherapistpodcast.com. And don't forget, if you want to send us any general feedback, show suggestions, uh, show topics, or guest ideas, please feel free to drop us an email at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Be well.